Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Let's go. What's up? Sorry, that's on me. What's up? Let's go, man. Hey, I am so excited that you have made the decision to get here with us on this Halloween night. Man, I'm so fired up about where we're headed in God's Word. This is like one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Like when I think about this verse, really it's two verses. When I think about these two verses, it's verses that I've memorized a long time ago, have lodged deep into my heart. And I'm so excited that we get the chance to get into this part of 2 Timothy. If you're new to the Bible, 2 Timothy is in the second half of your Bible. Go ahead and grab a copy of God's Word and find it, 2 Timothy, all the T's are together in the New Testament. And so if you find Timothy, Thessalonians, Titus, you're in the right neighborhood. There's two Timothys. We're in the second one, chapter three. And uh, this is the night that, I don't know if you did this growing up, but we went trick-or-treating on this night growing up. You know what I'm saying? We would get dressed up and we would go trick-or-treating. And, and I don't know how you did costumes in your household, but in my household, we, we went all out. Uh, and so um, I, I just want to give you a minute. I know that we got the meet and greet earlier, but those of y'all in the crossroads, those of y'all here in Lee Summit, why don't you go ahead and turn your neighbor, and I want you to, I want you to think about right now the best costume that you ever had growing up, all right? The best costume, and I want you to share. I'm going to give you all like one to two minutes. Go ahead and turn your neighbor right now. Share the best costume you had growing up, best costume. All right, let me grab you back real quick. Let me grab you back. All right, so some of y'all were clowns. Some of y'all were princesses. Some of y'all were, you know, something scary. I don't know, but I'm not trying to flex on you. But I actually brought a picture of, uh, of one of my best costumes growing up. You can see me right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't mess with me, right? I'll, I'll, I'll bow you down, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. So anyway, y'all remember the drill, right? You put on a costume, you go knock on doors, you say something like trick or treat, and then you're hoping to get, you know, some candy, you're hoping to get some Skittles, some Twizzlers, I don't know, you're hoping to get a candy bar, I'm not real sure, but then you get all of your candy, y'all remember, and then you dump it out on the, on the table or on the floor, and then you just think, man, I've got candy for all year, you know, I'm going to live on candy the rest of my life, y'all remember the sensation as a kid, and, and I don't know if your household was anything like my household, but I was like, man, I'm about to eat this candy, for the rest of the year, I, all I need is this candy, then my parents... Being loving parents, they're like, no, you cannot eat candy the rest of your life. Like, if you want to become a man someday, if you want to grow up, and if you want to do things in this life, candy is not going to sustain you. That sugar in this candy is not going to sustain you so that you can accomplish the things that you hope to accomplish in life. I even did some research this week, and I found out that you can live about one month if all you eat are candy bars. You got one month, about 30 days, right? And so every one of us knows that you cannot just eat candy and expect to do the things that you're called to do in life, but for some reason, we think that it's different spiritually. And what I mean by that is this, that a lot of us, we come in here tonight, and when it comes to our life spiritually, we do this sort of like trick-or-treat spiritual thing where we knock on the doors of Instagram, we knock on the doors of TikTok, we, we knock on the doors of YouTube or some podcast or, or a leadership book, and we say, man, give me something temporary, give me something good to eat, and I just kind of settle oftentimes for this candy Christianity. I settle oftentimes for this, this sugar spirituality, if you will. Now, none of those things are bad, but here's what I need you to understand tonight that we're going to see from God's Word. If you're going to accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish, if you're going to be able to live out His mission and His purpose in your life, if you're going to be able to do the thing 
that you were knit together in your mother's womb to do, you're going to need the meat of God's word to sustain you. That you're going to need to learn how to lay your soul a soak this book so that it can inform your life, so that it can fuel your mission, so that you can persevere and push through the difficulties. You're going to need to learn how to spend significant time in the Word of God. I mean, I'm so excited about getting into the Word of God because it's going to talk about the Word of God tonight. The Word of God is going to tell us why we are doing what we're doing here. But I believe this book is a historical, reliable collection of documents where eyewitnesses, they accounted to the supernatural events of God Almighty, that they were going to tell about the things that have happened historically through the hand of God and the things that will happen in the future, that God's word is significant, it's life-changing, it's earth-shattering, it will alter your destiny. And we're here tonight to talk about why we need to spend significant time in the Word of God. If you're taking notes, I've titled this message, Why Do We Need the Bible? Why do we need the Bible? And here's what I want to show you from God's Word, that the Bible, it is inspired by the hand of God. God is the author. That the Bible is profitable to us, and it's effective in our lives. Now, if you're new to 2 Timothy, the guy that wrote 2 Timothy is a guy named Paul. And Paul has his protege, Timothy, and he's trying to, he's trying to juice Timothy up for the work that God had for Timothy to do. And so Timothy's come to Paul, and, and he's like, you know, learn the ways of ministry, learn the ropes of ministry. And then Paul's writing this letter to Timothy, and he's like, Timothy, you got this, man. You got this. You, you, you can fan into flame the gift that God has given you. You stir it up, Timothy, because God hasn't given you a, a spirit of weakness or timidity, Timothy. He's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind so that you can go run the play of Christianity. As long as you have a clean vessel, God can use you, Timothy. And you don't give in to some wicked men that are going to be all about these things. But Timothy, you continue on in the way that you were brought up by your mama and your grandmama in learning the scriptures because, Timothy, you know what you need to know from God's word. You've got wisdom unto salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And then Paul, he continues down this vein and he simply says this in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. He says, Timothy, you got to know this. And all of us tonight, paradigm, we've got to know this. That all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Let's just stop right there. Just two verses tonight. We're just going to pull these two verses apart like a pulled port. We're just going to pull it out, savory, and we're going to allow it to merit, to, to just sustain us and give us the meat of God's word tonight. All scripture is God's word. All scripture is inspired by God. All. Everybody say all on the count of three. One, two, three. All. All of it. Point number one, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. The Bible is inspired by God. The Bible is inspired by God. Again, Paul, he's making it really clear. All scripture is given by God. It's inspired by him. So when we read Leviticus, when we read Numbers, when we read Amos and Obadiah, when we read Mark, when we read Timothy, when we read Jude and Revelation, it's all inspired by God. The word here in the Greek is literally theonoustos. It means God breathed. Some of your translations say that, that it's, this, this, is God's, this is God's word. He's breathed it out, that every word is breathed out by God. Every structure of every sentence is breathed out by God. This is God's word. And what I mean by God breathed is when you, when you read different portions of the Bible, you need to be listening and reading the Bible as if God is right there and he's saying, yeah, I wrote that. Oh yeah, and I inspired them to do that. Yes, this is a God breathed this out. And, and to break it down practically, how did God breathe out the word of God? The word of God tells us in 2 Peter 1.21 that God moved through the personalities and the penmanship of the people of God. 
that he inspired these holy men to write these things down, but he inspired them to write them down, and God was saying, this is what my word is. The word of God's amazing. If you don't know much about the Bible, man, it's a collection of, of 66 books. It was written over, over hundreds of years in different continents, in three different languages, and they all corroborate together to make one cohesive story. The Word of God's incredible. The reason why I can stand up here with integrity and authority and tell you that this is God's Word because God's book, this Bible, it's unique about all other books in the world. This isn't some book like in the book of Eli that just goes on the shelf of the, the famous sacred writings of all other religions. This is a book that stands supreme above them all, that the word of God is unique in at least four ways I want to share with you tonight. The first way that makes the word of God unique is that this word is a word of prophecy. It's the only book that has prophecy that has been fulfilled. It's unique in just in that one thing. It's a book of prophecy, that the word of God is filled with promises that were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And a lot of people say, well, Jesus, he knew what the prophets were going to say, or he knew what the prophets said, and so he manipulated things. You cannot manipulate your birth. You cannot manipulate your death. Jesus, he, he fulfilled prophecies and things that were outside of his control. Jesus fulfilled about 300 prophecies. And let me just tell you the probability of him fulfilling eight in a way that just made sense to me. I'm from the state of Texas, and so I love, I love all things Texas. And if Jesus was to fulfill just eight out of the 300 prophecies, that would be like dropping 10 trillion silver dollars in the state of Texas. Now imagine sludging through two foot of silver dollars through Texas. And I painted one of those silver dollars red, and then I blindfolded you, and I said, good luck finding the red one. And you walked through the state of Texas through two foot of 10 trillion silver dollars, what would be the odds that you would find that one painted red? Very, very slim. And the odds would be equivalent to Jesus fulfilling eight of the prophecies. It's an impossibility. And Jesus did 300 of them. One of the things that makes us stand on the authority that this is God's word is that it is a book of prophecy. The second thing that makes us clear that this is such a supernatural book, that this is God-breathed, that this is inspired by God, is not only is it a book of prophecy, but it's a book of history. All throughout history, there's been criticism against the Bible. No other book has been criticized more than this book that we're reading tonight. And what, what people have said throughout history is like, man, the Bible, it speaks about like King Cyrus and it speaks about, you know, this gate that Jesus went to and, and, and there's no such thing as those things. There's no historical record. But then with the rise of archaeology and modern technology, they keep digging in the Middle East and here's what they keep discovering, that they keep discovering things that are validated by the historicity of the Bible. And a lot of people say, well, the Bible, it's, it, 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 you can't trust it. It's not, it's not a reliable resource. But every time they keep digging in the Middle East, they find that the Bible rings true historically. Not only is the Bible a book of prophecy, a book of history, but it's also a book of resiliency. There's been more persecution and more ban and more trying to do away with this book than any other book that's ever been written, but yet it still remains that there's something unique about this book that we're reading tonight. There's been bloodshed, there's been criticism against this book, but it still stands and it still rises, even in a society like ours that we've come in here tonight and the, the word of the year 2016 was post-truth. Like we come in here as a generation and we're beyond truth, but we come in here and even as a civilization, we're beyond truth. The Bible's still the best-selling book of all time, that the word of God, it stands and it has reached into many, many parts of the world and it still is yet to be translated in all of the languages and dialects of the world. But I believe that in my lifetime and in your lifetime, we'll see the word of God 
translated into every tongue so that every tribe can know the love of God and the word of God, that this is a book of resiliency. This is a book that has been through it in a time and time again, and we can stand on the authority that this is God's word. But perhaps my favorite one, my favorite thing about the uniqueness of the Bible is that it is a book that has changed people's trajectory. I don't know what your story is, but man, my story is I, I begin to understand the Bible, begin to read the Bible, begin to listen to the Bible, and it began to do its work on me. There's a famous theologian that says the word of God's like a lion. You just got to let it out the cage and it'll know what to do. That you don't have to salt it, you don't have to sugar it, you ain't got to spice it, it's just the meat, baby. And God will energize his word, and God did that in my life. And it changed my trajectory. One of the things that if you don't know my story is, man, I was, I, was, I was struggling with my relationship with God. I'd heard some things about God, and, and then I remember it when I was 16 years old, discovering the word of God for the first time. It was as if God was putting his arm around me and saying, man, Chad, you don't need to worry about your daddy being locked up. You don't need to worry about you losing this house that you're living in with your mama. You don't need to worry about those things. You just seek me. You seek my kingdom and my righteousness. And I remember going through that season, and I remember God's word becoming alive to me. And then over the next few years, God's word began to do its work in my life until I got to my knees when I was 20 years old. And it was like, oh my God, goodness, God, you, you, uh, your word says this, and now, now I am wise unto salvation by putting my faith in Jesus Christ. That I knew some things here, but it wasn't until I was a young adult that I began to believe it here and put my faith in this word, and it changed the trajectory of my life. And I'm praying that it will change the trajectory of my last name, that it's rewriting the legacy of my family, that it's, that it's redeeming some things that the enemy tried to steal, that it's breaking the bondage of generational curses in my family, and it's changing the trajectory of my life. And I've seen it change people's lives countless times. That one of the greatest evidences that this is God's word is because God energizes his word to change the outcome and the destination and the trajectory of people. And I've seen it time and time again. And it's so exciting to me that we get to come into here and we get to read the word of God. And I don't know if you ever think about what we're doing on a Tuesday night. But oftentimes, like, I'll, I'll, I'll go home, and I'm just thinking, man, what we do on Tuesday night, it just blows my mind. You know, like, even tonight, like, we, you know, it, it, it's Halloween. Most of the culture is doing this or doing that. But we have people that are gathering here, gathering in the city, and we're saying, man, let's get around the Word of God. And, and why wouldn't we just change paradigm into some sort of young adult hangout where we just kind of get together, have some fun, have some costume parties, and, and do the social thing? All of those things are okay. But we've come in here, and I just think oftentimes on Tuesday night, how crazy is it that, that people would come week in and week out, and we would lift up a song, and then we would have somebody yell at us for 45 minutes about the Bible, you know? Like, that's crazy unless you believe that it's God's Word. And we believe that it's God's word and that's not changing. And because we believe that it's God's word, the reason why we've dedicated so much time and energy and effort to this word is because this word in Psalm 119, 105 said it is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Jeremiah 15 says that I found your word and I ate it and it became for me a joy and my heart's delight because I'm called by your name, O Lord of hosts. That in Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus is being tempted, he says, I'm not gonna turn those rocks into bread because man, cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God, that Jesus would say to his guys, if you hold to my teachings in John 8, 32, then you're really my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
that Jesus is God. They come to him and, and, and they, they're having a hard day because Jesus is teaching some hard things in John 6, 63. And, and Jesus looks at his guys. He's like, are y'all going to leave me too? And one of his guys, Peter, looks at Jesus and says, where else are we going to go, Jesus? You're the one that has the words of life that we believe that this book is inspired by God Almighty, that all scripture is God-breathed. And so we come in here week after week to soak up the word of God, and we believe that God has a word for us, that we can know God through his word, and what a privilege it is to have his book. So you may not be fired up in Lee Summit, you may not be fired up in the crossroads, but I'm fired up about this word tonight because we can know the God of the word. It ain't about a book per se, it's about a God that's on high. It's about us getting to know him and us getting to be transformed and reformed by the goodness and the character and the nature of God Almighty. God wrote a book and we have the access to it. All scripture is inspired by God. Oh, give your life to this book. Oh, that we would be a ministry of one book, that we would be committed to the meat of heaven. That is the word of God. And we would lay our soul, soak it, and allow it to marinate into our minds and into our heart so that God would transform us and change our trajectory. And so Paul, he's looking at Timothy in this letter and saying, Timothy, you gotta know this. If you're wavering in this, let me double down on this. All scripture is inspired by God. God has breathed it out. Every jot, every tittle, every comma, every question mark, inspired by God Almighty. And he goes on, Paul, he says this in in verse 16. Again, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, note these four things, profitable for doctrine, some of your translations say teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction or training in righteousness. Point number two, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down. The Bible is profitable. The Bible is profitable. Paul, he lists a few ways that the Bible works out in our life. He said, man, we all scripture, we get to know God, but also God's doing something in our life. When we're studying the word of God, the spirit of God is energizing the work of God in our life. And he gives us four things or four ways that the Bible profits us. The first thing he says is it's profitable for doctrine. Again, some of your translations say teaching. That when you read the word of God, you're going to learn some things about the the God of the word. That our doctrine is our core set of beliefs. It's where we put together various scriptures and we build our understanding about the character of Jesus Christ. Our doctrine is where we put together biblical scriptures and we understand our our doctrine of the word of God. It teaches us about the character of God. I love that when you read the word of God, you get to learn about the character and the nature of God. I'm reading currently through the gospel of John. And if you're needing a place to read in the Bible and this is, you know, something that's just getting going to inspire you to start reading the word, start in the gospel of John. You get to know Jesus, man. And what's so amazing about Jesus is that Jesus would say about Jesus that when you get to know me, you get to know God the Father. And then I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. You get all three of us when you simply observe us in the word. You get to know the character of Jesus. If you want to know how God would respond to a certain situation, you could read about the life of Jesus. And more than likely, you're going to see how Jesus responded to that situation. I'm reading in John 13 right now, and the author tells us about the betrayal of Judas. If you're new to the Bible, Jesus had a best friend named Judas that betrayed him. 
And it tells us that Judas had already said in his heart to betray Jesus, but then Jesus stayed committed to the work that God and the mission that God had him on. And so I'm reading that going, man, I would, I would be, I would be punking Judas. I would be like, no, you ain't going to do that. You know, I'd be like, Peter, James, John, let's beat this brother. You know, that's what I would be doing. But that's not Jesus that I'm learning about the character of Jesus and how he stays committed to the mission, how he stays committed to the, the work that God has sent him to do. And when we read the word of God, man, we learn some things. We build our doctrine. The word of God, it profits us because it helps us to know God. We don't have to scratch our head. Like when somebody says, what's God's like? What, what's God like? You don't have to scratch your head and be like, I, I don't know. We can know God. We can know his character with clarity, with confidence that God disclosed himself in the Bible. And we need to be committed to learning about the goodness and the nature of God so that when we navigate a difficult season, a season of singleness, when we navigate difficult loss, when somebody takes their life, when we navigate just a difficult dry spell in life and we're kind of like, what is life? When we navigate those things, we can know what God has to say to us. We can allow the character of God to inform our decisions. That when we read the, God, when we read the word of God, it is profitable to teach us some things. But the word of God isn't just meant to be educational. We're meant to receive information and then apply it to our life so that it would lead to transformation. That the word of God is unique, man. It's a book that when you read it, it reads you, yo. Like it's a book that when you read it, like it, it, you underline some things, it starts to underline some things in your life. When you highlight some things in a word, it highlights some things in your life. This is a unique book that begins to inform the way that you think. It begins to change the way that you believe, and it will change you. And that's why Paul would say that the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, but also for reproof. If you don't know what reproof is, that's basically the things you shouldn't do. I don't know if you ever read the Bible, and, and typically it's the lists that get me, you know? Like when you look at the list, like they, they say, you know, like you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I think I've done X, Y, and Z, you know, today, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it corrects me, you know, or excuse me, it reproofs me. It, it tells me, hey, you shouldn't have done that. That's not right. Last week, we were reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it went through this list of 18 things. And I remember looking at that list, and being like, man, <laughs> like, I don't know, like, the word of God's like a plumb line, and it measures the character, the belief, the thoughts of a man and of a woman. That this list we looked at last week, it's just one of the lists that's in the Bible. It said things like you got to avoid people that, that are unholy. You got to avoid people that are lovers of pleasure. You got to avoid people that love themselves, that, that love money. You got to avoid people that are traitors, that are slanderers. You got to avoid people that are disobedient to their parents. You got to avoid people that have a form of godliness but deny his power. And as you're reading through that list, I know that there's been seasons in my life where I've been more guilty of other things in that list. And even in this season of life that I'm in, nobody's perfect. And so I need the word of God to, I need the word of God to reprove me. I need the word of God to measure my life because there's a way that seems right in a man's heart, but in the end it leads to death. And every one of us has come in here thinking that we've got it together, we're not that bad of a person, but then when we measure ourselves up to the perfect standard of God, it will always reveal something that needs to be changed. That the word of God Man, it teaches us some things. It reproves in us. It reveals the things that need to change. But then it goes on to say that the word of God corrects us. It doesn't just call us out. It coaches us up. 
that the word of God, it corrects us. And so the, the reproof is what you shouldn't do. The, the correcting is what you should do. That the word of God's gonna tell us how you are to respond when people hurt you. That the Bible's gonna inform how we respond to people that, that are difficult to love. I remember when I was in college, my senior year, I was playing football and, and I had a, a, a brand new coach. And, and for me, like there was a part of me that was like, man, I, I knew this coach. I knew, I knew when he played. And he played offensive linemen, and he was coaching the defensive ends. And I was like, bro, I know more about defensive ending than you do. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, we're in a film session. All of the defense is there. And, and, and like, I'm, I made a bad play, and he gets this little laser pointer out, and he says, Glover, that was terrible. And he runs it back. And I remember just, like, speaking up, saying, well, then coach me up, coach. Don't just call me out and tell me it was terrible. What do I need to do to fix it? And, and I said it in such a tone that I got in trouble by the defensive coordinator. He turned on the lights, he called me out in front of everybody, and he says, I, I feel like that came from a, a bad place. And I was kind of like, no, nah, man, I just want to be coached up. And then I lied, because <laughs> it did come from a bad place, you know? I was like, I'm so frustrated with this guy, I know how to do his job better than I, you know, that's where I was coming from. But here's the point, I didn't want to just be called out, I wanted to be coached up. And the word of God's not just going to say, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, wrong, how could you? It's also going to say, this is what you should be about, man. I always tell people that repentance is a Bible word. It's not just merely what you're turning from, that the power of repentance is not the sin that you turn from, it's the Savior that you turn to, that every salvation comes prepackaged with forgiveness from sin that we leave behind, but also a future in Christ and things that we run to, and that the Scripture is going to remind us and coach us up and correct us on the things that we should be about, that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for our doctrine for our reproof, for our correction. And then finally, he says it's profitable to train us up in righteousness, to instruct us in the way of righteousness. Righteousness, if that's a new word for you, it's, it just simply means right living before God. That the word of God is gonna tell you the wise way to live your life. It's gonna tell you how you should pursue marriage. It's gonna tell you how you should pursue finances. It's gonna tell you how you should pursue hard relationships. It's gonna tell you how to order your life, but you've gotta be committed that we need to allow this word to inform our worldview, that we need to allow this word to inform the way that we see ourselves. We gotta allow this word to inform the way that we see policies. We gotta allow this word to, to inform the way that we see people. We gotta allow this word to inform the way that we see this planet. The word of God should inform our worldview. Um, I moved up here a few years ago from Louisiana. That boot, holler. Anyway, so I was in Louisiana, and I was doing student ministry, and one of the families that I had the privilege of getting to do ministry with and, and alongside of was, was the Johnson family. And the Johnsons, uh, they had their kids in our student ministry, and, and I had the privilege of allowing Miss Johnson to come and speak at a girls' event. And Mr. Johnson, he came and spoke at some of our things and really encouraged ministry through his family and in the community. And it was so cool when Mr. Johnson got uh, promoted from a state politician to a, a national politician. And his name is Mike Johnson. He just got elected as the Speaker of the House. He was in an interview recently with a guy named Sean Hannity, and Hannity was just asking him about some of the criticism of some of the policies that he's endorsed, and, and Mike just simply said this, if you want to know what I think about things, just read the Bible. Basically, what the Bible says is what I think about stuff. I was like, let's go. I just fired me up, man, and that's how we should be. 
You want to know how I think about something? Well, read the Bible, and I ain't perfect at thinking about it like the Word says, but that's basically what I'm aiming for. You, don't know, you want to know my stance on this, on that, or the other? Read the Word of God, and that we allow the Word of God to train us so that we can have right thinking and right living before a corrupt and depraved world that we're called to study the Word of God because it's breathed out by God, and it's profitable for us. Paul, he's trying to raise up this young leader. And he's trying to call him to lead his generation in this truth. He's saying, you don't need the, the latest gimmick. You don't need the latest podcast. You don't need the latest YouTube sensation. You don't need the latest leadership book per se. None of those things are wrong and they can be helpful. But the one thing that you've got to have is the word of God. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. You need this. This is the thing that's gonna profit you. This is the thing that you're gonna build your doctrine. This is the thing that's gonna correct you when you're wrong. This is the thing that's gonna call you out when you're out of line. This is the thing that you need to train yourself up in in righteousness. And so often when we give ourselves to this or that, we're missing the main course of heaven, and that's the word of God. And you have to allow this word to do its work in your life. And one of the things that we're committed to here at Abundant Life and one of the things that we're committed to at Paradigm is the word of God, man. We spend countless hours studying this book. I've given my life to this book. We spend countless hours studying it and preparing for this time. So that when we preach, we can preach with authority and with integrity, standing on the word of God. And we want to be a ministry that's known for, for, for airing the truth, for sounding forth the scriptures. But not only do we want to be a ministry that preaches the word of God, we want to be a ministry where the word of God is permeated through every person here at Paradigm. We want you not just to come listen to biblical preaching, we want you to have biblical living and we want you to be in the word of God yourself. You don't have to just come and just watch me eat this thing and regurgitate it to you. You can eat it on your own. And we want to empower you to study and to know God through his word. And maybe you're here thinking, man, well, how do I do that? Well, tonight after the message, you're going to have an opportunity to go to a breakout in both the city here in the summit. And you can learn and take a deep dive practically how do you read the word of God. But let me give you four things real quick. The first thing you're going to need is you're going to need the scripture, S-O-A-P. You're going to spell it like this, S-O-A-P, the scripture, S is scripture. That you're going to need a Bible if you're going to read the Bible, all right? That kind of goes without saying, but here's what I would encourage you. I would encourage you to get a book, don't get an app. An app is good in a pinch. This is like beef jerky. This is a steak, all right? You need to get the book. If you need help with a translation, we endorse the New King James Version here, but there's there's really, you know, there may be some random bad translations, but just, just go to Mardell's, hop online. If you need help, send me an email, all right? Get a Bible. Go to some scriptures. Again, I told you I'm reading through the Gospel of John right now. And so what that looks like is I'm going to start in John 1, and I'm going to stop in John 21, right? I'm just going to read until I get done. And then once I get done with John, I'm going to write the date at the end of the, of the, of, of the book when I finish reading it, and then I'm going to move on to the next one. There's no bad book to read. Let's start with John. I would encourage you to read until God has spoken to you. And you'll know that God has spoken to you because you'll do the O, and the O stands for observation. How do you study the Bible practically? You got to get the scripture. You got to observe some things. This is where you get your pen out and you start circling things and underlining things. And you make some observations. Who's this letter from? Who's it written to? At what time frame? What's going on? Just ask, just kind of build the, the, you know, the developing of the character and of the, of the scene a little bit. Understand what's going on. And then, hey, you got to apply it. 
Listen, if all we do is read the word of God and we never do what it says, James 1 says that we're like somebody that looks in the mirror and we forget what we look like. But we're called to look into the mirror of God's word and allow it to inform our life and do what it says. Just like Nike, just do it. You know what I'm saying? We've got to do what the word of God says. If all we do is get information and we never apply the word of God, we're missing the point of the Bible. And then Pete, you gotta pray, man. You gotta pray, and what you're praying is, God, would you energize this word to do its work in my life? God, would you help me to be faithful to understand? I don't understand this. There's parts of the Bible, you, it's, it's, it's difficult to understand. There's other parts, it's, it's crystal clear. So maybe you're praying for revelation. Maybe you're praying for application. Maybe you're praying for energy. And just ask God to do his work through his word in your life. Paul, he's writing to Timothy, he said, Timothy, man, you got all you need in this book, man. All scripture is breathed out by God. It is inspired by God. It's gonna profit you in several areas. And then he goes on in verse 17. And he says this, so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down. The Bible is effective. The Bible is effective. Man, I love this because man, if you'll commit to getting into the word, man, watch and see what God will do in your life. God begin, he'll begin to ready you. He'll begin to equip you. You'll find yourself in conversation. You'll be at the office. Somebody will be talking about how sad they are. You'll be like, well, you know what God says? And you'll be like, I don't, even, I don't even know what God says. And you'll share something, you know what I'm saying? Like Jesus says this in John 14, he says, but the Father will send a counsel of the Holy Spirit in my name, and he's gonna teach you all things. And then he'll remind you of all the things that he's taught you. There's been times I've been in conversations speaking about spiritual things, and I'll reference a verse, I'll reference an ideal from the Word of God, and I'm like, I don't, even, I don't even remember studying that, you know? But if you'll commit your life to this, man, God will complete you, and then he'll thoroughly equip you for the work that he's called you to do. Man, there's nothing more exciting than being used by God, but if you want to be used by God, ready yourself with the Word, man. Get in the book and watch and see how God will use your Word. Watch and see how God would use his word, rather, through you. Paul's reminding Timothy right here. He's just reminding what happens when we keep God's word central in our life. He completes us. This word complete, it literally means that you're fitted for the occasion. It's the word of God that readies you. It's the word of God that encourages you. It's the word of God that supplies you with the energy that you need to follow Jesus. When you have the word, you are fitted for the occasion to be used by God. I remember going to, to play ball, and I remember in my, my junior year, we got custom mouthpieces. You know, I used to have to bull the, the mouthpiece, and, but, but then I went to the dentist and got a, I got custom fit. And when I got custom fit for this thing, it was like, man, it was, it was like, it was just like a second, it was like a, this is part of me. I could talk with this thing in. It was like an Invisalign mouthpiece. You know, I was fitted for the occasion to play the game in a very distinct way that the word of God, it will begin to wrap around the different curvatures of your life, so to speak. It'll begin to form fit to your life and your situation. And when you get into the word of God, man, you got to trust that God's word is equipping you for the thing that he's called you to do, that you're fit for action, that you're ready to go to work for God. Not only will the word of God complete you, but he says it'll also thoroughly equip you for every good work. And the word of God is what you need to live for him. You've heard it said this, that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called, man. That it's the word of God that we need. Paul, he's gassing Timothy up. He's Again, he's saying, man, stir up your gift, clean your vessel, run the play of Christianity, continue to follow in my example. Because Paul knew what we all need to know that when you have the word of God, you have what you need to do the work of God. That the word of God is what you need. 
I remember early on when I started following Jesus, like, I was like, man, God, I, I want to be faithful to be used by you. Again, there's nothing more exciting than you saying yes to Jesus. I promise you. You were made and knit together in your mother's womb. You were formed and fashioned for a purpose, to be united with your creator and then to link arms with him to go build his kingdom. The word of God says that you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works in which he prepared in advance for you to do. That God wants you to do some things for his glory, but sometimes you think, well, I've never been to seminary. I don't have a theology degree. I don't know enough. And we are in this age of information where we feel like we've got to get more information. We've got to download these things. And listen, information's not a bad thing, but so often we think we need more information and it leaves us paralyzed. We can't, like we can't make a move. Back in the day when I first started following Jesus, I had a Bible and a burden and that's all God needed and I gathered the men together with me that were around me and I said hey guys I'm going to be uh, we're going to be studying the word tonight won't y'all come and I simply invited them to read the word of God with me it was like it was so bad y'all like it was not cool at all like we didn't have fog machines we didn't have led screens we didn't have cameras we didn't have city campuses and summit campuses and we didn't have logos or branding we didn't have all that stuff but we had all we needed listen you can have all of that stuff all that glitz and all that glamour and you can miss this and you miss everything but you can have none of those things and have this and you have everything you need so what would it look like for some of you you know the bible you just need a burden to give you boldness to put yourself out there in the office and say, what do, you, what do you guys think about reading the word of God together? I love this. One of the stories from our young adult ministry, a guy named Grant, he's a dental student. He, he hit me up a few months ago and he's like, hey, could, uh, could, could I have access to the church? I've, I've been trying to lead this Bible study with some of the dental students. I was like, yeah, let's go. I love that, you know. And, and, and listen, I just had to get out of my man's way. Like, hey, do y'all need any help? He said, we just need a space. I got a Bible and I got a burden. Watch God work. So I'm there at the Crossroads campus and seeing all these dental students pull up in their Teslas and their Maseratis and all that. You know, I'm just kidding. They ain't there yet, but they pulling up and seeing God work. What would it look like if we took this word serious and God began to work in a mighty, awesome way, in a new way, and listen, God wants to use you. He wants to work some things inside of you. And he wants to change you by the reading of his word. And Paul, he's calling Timothy. He's saying, man, rise up. Rise up to the mantle of leadership. And he's calling him to rise up to that mantle of leadership by elevating the word of God in his life. And Paul knew that Timothy would need this. Because Paul, Paul's the guy that wrote about the church at Ephesus that I, that I didn't shrink back from any teaching. And he warned the leaders at the church of Ephesus that Timothy would be leading. You better look out because there's going to be some, some sheep or the, some wolves in sheep clothing. And they're going to kind of come in and they're going to try to change this word. You don't need to shirk back from it. Paul's writing to Timothy about this church in Ephesus in which Paul wrote to them. He, it's where he says, man, we, we've got two offensive weapons in this spiritual battle. One is prayer and one is the word of God. That Paul wrote these things to Timothy because he knew Timothy would need to know to, that he knew that the word of God was sure and was right and a firm foundation in which he could stand upon. And there was a war that was raging against the word of God back in the day. And that war is still raging on in our generation today. We're in a post-Christian, post-truth era in America. But there's a generation of young adults that have come to this place 
to study this word, to submit our lives underneath its authority so that we can be informed by God Almighty about how we're to see ourselves, how we're to see the world, and how we're to order our life. And just maybe if we would take God at his word, he may change a generation and he may change a society because that's the business that God is in. Many of you don't know this, but today marks the day that a famous man named Martin Luther nailed a document to a church in Germany where he basically said, I've got 95 problems with the Roman church and the Pope is one, all right? And he was writing these 95 theses where he was contesting the authority of the church back in the day because the church had deviated from the word of God. And as Luther started reading the word of God and as he was looking at the way that the church was doing things and leading God's people, he said, There's, they're not doing this thing. And Luther just had the boldness to believe that the word of God was the authority over the church of God. That Luther had the boldness to believe that all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for the things that we talked about tonight for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God could be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so Luther, man, he picked a fight. But the way he picked a fight was by resting on the authority of God's word. Luther, he said this, in short, he said it about the word of God, in short, I preach it, teach it, write it, but I will constrain no one by force. Luther's like, I ain't, ain't got to be all big and bad. He says, for faith must come freely without compulsion. He said, take myself as an example. I oppose indulgences and all the papists. These were two key issues that he had against the Roman Catholic Church. He says, I oppose them for those things, but never with force. He just says this, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. I love this. He said, and while I slept, the word did everything. That these young adults, these reformers, man, they took God at his word. And Luther wasn't the only, only one. There was reformers in other nations in Europe, and they stood up and they said, man, we're, no, no, this thing has gotten off. We read the word and we believe in the God of the word. And they ushered in a new era of Christendom. They ushered in a new era of church that changed the trajectory of societies. And I would argue that America is here today because reformers put their feet in the ground. They dug their heels in and they said, we're willing to risk our life for this thing. We're willing to lay down our life for this truth because we believe that it's God's truth. All scripture is inspired by God. And I'm just believing for a generation that would rise up and usher in the reforms that need to be ushered in so that we can see a revival take place. And you're never gonna see a great move of God if you're not tethered to the word of God. And so let us be committed to lay our lives, to lay our souls a soak of this book. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you for your truth. Oh God, where would I be without your word? It's informed my past. It's informed my purpose. It's informed my pain. God, it's your word that has taught me how to see my daughters, how to see my wife. It's your word that 
that has corrected me when, I, when I'm in my own mind and my, in my own feelings. It's your word that's shown me you. Oh, where would I be without your word? God, thank you so much that you've disclosed yourself so clearly in your word. We don't have to wonder about you. We don't have to guess about who God is. But we can come in here and be so privileged to have your word. God, I pray we would not take that for granted. And you would help us to be a ministry that is marked by the book. God, help us to submit our sex lives to the scriptures. Help us to submit our singleness to the scriptures. God, help us to submit our mental health issues to the scriptures. God, help us to submit everything to the scriptures. And would you allow your word, would you energize your word to do its work and to profit us and to ready us and fit us for the game, for the occasion, and thoroughly equip us to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray.